0: I have a message of hope for you. I have actually one of the most tremendous stories of all of scripture that indicate that whatever you are feeling now, whatever you are going through, whatever is dead to you can come alive. Why? Because we're going to be studying the story of Lazarus being raised from the dead. That's a spoiler alert. In the end of the story, the guy gets back up. I'm just letting you know that right now. However, this last week as I was going through some of these difficult situations and trying to process all that was occurring in my life, the thought jumped into my head and I thought that I should tweet it out. And then I realized I'm really not good at Twitter. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to verbal tweet right now. And uh, if you would like to retweet my verbal tweet at some point, that's great. You're allowed to do that. This is what I thought. If God can reanimate a dead body, then what problem am I facing that is too difficult for him? Right? The fill in the blank on the sheet in front of you is this, death is no match for our Lord. Death is no match for our Lord. In the Old Testament, God had a prophet that was taken in a vision and he saw a valley full of dry bones. They had been there for a really, really long time and he asked the man, he said, can these bones live? The prophet said, I have no idea. that You would only know that, God. And he said, I want you to tell them what I tell you. He said, I want you to prophesy and speak to those bones. And as he conveyed the truth of God, the bones began to rattle. The bones began to come together. The bones began to have flesh on them. The bones began to have muscle. And they began to rise up and they became a mighty army of living beings. What's the point? Death is no match for our Lord. Is that what you think... Is dead and gone what you think is impossible god thinks is every day So if you want to make this message personal to you I want you to be thinking throughout the entire message What needs to be restored in your life that you gave up on praying for because god apparently kept saying no You gave up on it. You no longer pray about it. You no longer think it's possible Other people can pray for you, but you don't have any faith to pray for yourself Because in your mind, it is dead and gone, and you cannot imagine how it would be resurrected. Now, I'm not talking about the things that are dead that need to stay dead. You know what I'm talking about? There are things that don't need to be resurrected in your life. However, there are some things that may well be in the will of God, and you gave up because you got too wiped out and exhausted. I want you to be thinking about that through this, because when we get to the end of this message, we're going to pray for that very thing i don't care if it's a diagnosis from the doctors i don't care whether it is a relationship that has been severed in your family i don't care whether it is a child that you do not believe will ever return to the lord i don't care whether it's a neighbor that you tried to minister to for a really long time and they just don't want anything to do with jesus whatever it is that you consider dead and gone i would like you to keep that in mind because you're not just about to pray by yourself you now have about a thousand of us, to lift you up. Let our faith carry you today. Yeah? That's what we're going to do. Turn with me to John chapter 11. We're in the physical Bibles today. If you don't have one, there's one under the seat in front of you. John chapter 11, verse 1. Only John tells this story. You would think if you saw a guy walk up out of the grave, you'd write about it. But apparently only one guy did. John chapter 11, verse 1. And it begins like this. Now, a certain man was very ill. Lazarus of Bethany, a town not far from Jerusalem, the village of Mary and her sister Martha, whom we know already. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair. Not the one where the prostitute did it. It's the one that Mary did it. And that was two different times. It was her brother, who Lazarus, who was ill. So the sisters, Mary and Martha, sent to Jesus a message who was staying 20 miles away. And the message said, Lord, he whom you love is ill. Now, he better be really ill because what they've just done is asked him to come back and minister to their brother into an area where he already has a price on his head. They're asking him to come back to a place where people want to kill jesus So it's not like he has a cold it's he's going to die And if it wasn't that big of a deal, we would never ask you to come to a dangerous place like this Verse four but or better translated. So When jesus heard it He said and I don't know if this is a reply in the message to the messenger probably Or if he just commented after the messenger left But he said, this illness does not lead to death. That's ironic. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. I need you to understand verse 5. It's very important. Now, Jesus loved Martha, and he loved her sister, and he loved Lazarus. That's a special relationship. He didn't say, oh, I, Martha's awesome. The other two, they're all right. He loved each and every one of them individually. And then that makes verse six really weird. So, in other words, since he loved them so much, he, when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed where he was two days longer. What? How does that work? Here's what I want you to begin to turn around in your mind. I want you to think of all the times that you have said lord If you would have been here that wouldn't have happened God if you were listening to me if you really truly loved me, we wouldn't be going through this God, if you were watching over me, I would not have lost my job. I would have not have lost all my money in the market crash. I would not have lost my marriage. I would have not have lost my relationship. I would not have lost my, my connection with my kids. If, if you loved me, God, this stuff wouldn't happen to me. That clearly is not true. Because he loved them, he waited two more days. What? See, God's ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. And so each time we try to track and say, well, obviously God's like this, you're probably wrong. (laughs) You don't know what obviously God is probably like, because if you're just analyzing what he does, there's motivations for why what he does. And if you can't put all the pieces together, you're going to assume wrong. Let's get our timing down. This is probably one of the most eye-opening things I had in my research for this message. Because I don't know how I've done ministry this long without even knowing this basic information Let's get our timing down If you remember this story And I would assume that most of you have heard this story if you've been in church. It's kind of a popular one Let me ask you this question. How many days when jesus gets there has lazarus been dead in the tomb? Four days. Yeah As a matter of fact, you're going to hear the sister cry out and go let's not move the rock He's already been in there four days. It's going to stink. Do you remember that? All right. So let's get our timing down. It is 20 miles from Bethany, where Lazarus is, to where Jesus is. How many days does it take to get 20 miles of your walking in sandals? It's going to take one day, all right? Now, some of you can do the marathon thing, and something's wrong with you. I don't don't even... (laughs) As a, just as a side note, I saw the best sticker the other day on the back of the car I thought about getting it and on the back of the car it had one of those oval things and it went 0.0, 0. <laughs> And I was like that's that's right there on my car, right? Forget the 13.1 and the 26.2 I got a 0.0 right on the back of my car Takes a whole day to travel out for the messenger Jesus waits two days. Then how long does it take for him to travel that distance another day? By the time he arrives there, it has been four days. That means Lazarus was dead by the time the messenger arrived to Jesus. So it changes the entire story when you begin to realize he didn't wait for Lazarus to die. By the time the guy got there, Lazarus was dead. He was not waiting for that. He was waiting for something else. And you're going to find out what that something else was here in a moment. But just know that the four days is critical. So let's talk about why Jesus waited The bottom line is that Lazarus is now dead. So now what? He's not going to go back in time. He didn't change that. The bad thing occurred. And do bad things happen to good people? Yes, they do. Do bad things happen in this world? Yes. Why? Because when we said no to God in, in the Garden of Eden, sin entered the world and bad things have been happening ever since. We live in a very dangerous place. Where people say no to God, therefore what are they going to do to us? So obviously we have chaos and problems. However, when bad things happen, Jesus can either leave them as bad things or he can then do something with them. And if he can do something with them that is greater than as if they had never happened, that's called glory. We think sometimes avoidance is the highest glory. But do you realize that today we all avoided a 7.8 earthquake here. You go, what? We didn't have a... I know, because we avoided it. (laughs) And yet God got no glory for that. He only gets the glory once the thing occurs, and then he brings about redemption out of it. So in other words, the idea that God loves you doesn't mean you're going to avoid everything. Now, let's talk about the fact that love does not mean ease. How do we know that? Because there's no greater love then the father has for his son and he let him go to the cross So love cannot mean No problems that actually cannot occur. So it means yes, you will go through things But please do not connect the two and assume that your pain means he doesn't love you It does not mean that he is not paying attention to you. It does not mean that he didn't hear your your words in your prayers It just means he loves you and there's something bigger going on We also have to talk about the issue of suffering for glory. How in the world can suffering be glory? Well, because when we suffer the world says we should lash out we should self-destruct We should kick god to the curb. We should believe that he doesn't exist The bible says in order to get glory from suffering. Don't do any of those things While you cry say yes lord While you cry say I still believe in you Why because in the face of adversity you choosing God makes glory rise up to heaven And that's why we have to keep doing that but understand that suffering Sometimes is for the purpose of glory. How do we know that it may not be specific in this situation? Lazarus was going to die. What is going to occur is for the glory But understand that there's also a story where Jesus and his disciples were walking past a man that was born blind. And they said, who sinned? Who screwed up that this kid's blind? Jesus said, nobody. Nobody sinned. His parents didn't sin. He didn't sin. He was born blind for the sake of God's glory. Because then all of a sudden something sweeps through and God gets glory out of it. Understand that sometimes we go through difficult times and that is an opportunity for glory. Verse 7, then after he said this to the disciples, he said, let's go to Judea again. Judea is southern Israel where Jerusalem is where there's a price on his head. Let's go to danger land is what he just said. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi or teacher, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. Have you forgotten that? And we're going there again? Why would we go there? Does anything scare Jesus? No. No. Why? Because he's doing what his father asked him to do. His father asked him to do it Then whatever happens there his father asked to happen. So he's quite content with it. He's completely sold out Jesus answered with a super weird parable. I'm going to read it You're not going to understand it And you're going to get frustrated. How do I know that because that's what I did All right Are there not 12 hours in the day of sunlight time if anyone walks in the day he does not stumble Because he sees the light of the world and he can see where he's going But if anyone walks in the night or in the dark, he stumbles because the light is not in him Helpful? No (laughs) Here's what it really means It simply means make the most of the opportunity that when God is moving, you do what God tells you to do because the father's will is the only thing that matters. Therefore, you strike while the iron is hot. You make the most of God calls you. That's called instant obedience. For some of us, we push stuff off, wait till the end. Oh, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. And then things start getting murky and less clear. Want to make sure that we move out when god tells us to move out but above all Understand that while you're walking in god's will that is the light if you shut god out things are going to go ugly If you do not keep tracking with him things are going to get muddy But if you are tracking with him, even though life seems difficult, there's more clarity than there would be normally The closer we are to jesus the more our paths are straight. That's the point Now, after saying these things, verse 11, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to go awaken him. My favorite line is the next one. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he'll get up. (laughs) He'll recover. In other words, they're just as clueless as we are. They hear him talking and they're like, man, I understand what you're talking about. If he's tired, let him rest. Then we don't have to go to dangerville, right? Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus had to tell them plainly, guys, Lazarus has died. Like you're not following my metaphor here. So let me be very blatant. Gentlemen, Lazarus is flat out dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. Well, that's a weird line for your sake. I'm glad I wasn't there. So you may believe now what he did not say was, man, I'm glad my buddy died. He didn't say that. He said, I'm glad I wasn't there to hijack it. I'm glad I wasn't there to stop it. I'm glad I wasn't there to fix him. So that you may believe. These are disciples. These are believers. These are followers. But he's saying you do not believe at a depth. That I want you to believe. I'm going to take you from here and we're going deeper. I'm going to take you from here and we're going higher. Because the way that you believe you're content right now, I am not content with that. There is so much more for you to know and for you to understand and you to engage with and be transformed by. Therefore, I'm really glad I wasn't there. Because, man, what you're about to see while this garbage gets turned into glory is going to blow your mind. I'm glad I wasn't there. So that you may believe but let's go to him. So thomas called didymus or called the twin Said to his fellow disciples Let us also go that we may die with him. All right. Thomas has the worst press agent in the world How do we know him? Oh, that's the doubting guy remember Because what happened was after jesus came back from the dead everyone was like jesus is alive And he's like i'm not believing that garbage until I can feel his hands and everyone's like, "Ooh, you're a loser, you know And it was kind of like out of the 12 disciples the worst one the throwaway was judas And then like thomas was like second worst disciple <laughs> Okay, totally unfair Should have hired a different agency to handle his pr Why because did you hear what he just said in his mind? To go there is a signing his death warrant and he's ready to go Right there, he's like, I'll go die right now. Let's go. Now, not many of us can say that. Some of us can. Some of us can't. Where in our minds, we're going to die today and say, I'm all in. That was Thomas. So let's make sure to balance out his reputation, right, with this. It says, now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb. How long? Four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem about two miles off southeast by the Mount of Olives And many of the jews in the surrounding area had come to mary and to martha to console them concerning their brother In other words, there was a big crowd There remember jesus is a wanted man wanted man and big crowds don't normally work well together So because of the crowd when martha heard that jesus was coming she went and met him But mary remained seated at the house It's possible they had a plan where mary was going to keep the crowd there. Martha was going to sneak out back So she was going to go connect with him first And when martha saw jesus, she asked the question that most of us ask in all of our prayers Verse 21. Actually, it's a statement. Martha said to jesus lord. If you had been here, my brother would not have died If you had been here, my brother would not have died Is that true? I don't know. Maybe Jesus was like i'm glad I wasn't there. You're right. Maybe I would have stopped that Maybe I would have done something about it It's hard to see my brother suffer So I don't want to do that But maybe she's wrong Maybe if he was there It's not like everywhere around Jesus Nobody died But it's in our minds If you were here Jesus My life would be on a different trajectory And he said would it now Why because you think that your circumstance Somehow dictates my love That somehow you know How your life should go I don't think you know at all what you're talking about. I think you need to leave that to me. And then she said, verse 22, a peculiar line. She said, but even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Well, that's fascinating. What is she saying? Hey, man, if you, it, it sounds like she's saying, man, if you would have been here, we wouldn't be in this problem. But now that we're in this problem, I know you can fix it. Can you go get him up? But we know she didn't mean that. How do we know that? Because she is going to be the most vehement objector to opening the tomb So clearly she doesn't think he's going to get up So what is she asking for? I have no idea. It seems like she's thinking Jesus you missed that opportunity to help us out before how about making things better now? I don't know how you're going to do that. I can't even fathom how you're going to fix it But can you fix my situation, please? Hmm. Jesus said to her your brother will rise again Martha said to him, yeah, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Mm -hmm. Meaning at the end of the world, when it wraps up and you're king and you call everybody forward, yeah, of course he's going to get up and he's going to be with God. I I understand that. Thank you for your well thoughts. Jesus said to her, "Mm, I don't think you understand. I'm, I am the resurrection and the life. Okay, that is the fifth I am statement by John. He records seven of them Why because seven is a number of perfection and he's trying to point out that jesus christ is The same one that spoke at the burning bush Moses said who are you? He said I am that I am that is yahweh the personal name of god Jesus had a bunch of I am statements and that was kept getting him in trouble. This is the fifth of seven I am the resurrection and the life. What does that mean? It means he is the giver of all true life when we talk about the God type life that lights up in you when you get saved Jesus gives that to whoever he wishes That everything that you want everything that is uh, the solution everything that is satisfaction Everything that is glorious and healthy and whole and good at all is found in jesus He is the one that raises us to life. He is the one that gives us the quality of life so apart from him It's just not going to work. He said, whoever believes in me, that's trust in me, whoever's a Christian, whoever's a believer, whoever's locked in with me, though he physically die, yet will he live? And everyone who lives and believes in me, well, he's never going to die. And in Greek, it's double negative. It's never, never die. That's not going to happen to you. Do you believe this? He said You're never going to die. I mean, yeah, you're going to get transported. Yeah, you're going to go through that doorway Yeah, you're going to go from glory to greater glory. Yeah, you're going to have your problems removed You're going to get your sin taken away from you and you're going to be transported into a new body into god's presence So yeah, things are going to get awesome, but you're not going to die Do you understand his viewpoint of death is so different from what a lot of us view it as? In his mind, to live in this world is to be distant from him. And he just wants us nearby. So he's like, actually, I know you're afraid of death, but honestly, it's your promotion point. You get to be with me. And I can finally fix your problems that you've been wanting me to fix for all these years. Hmm. Do you believe this? He said. And she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe. I have believed. I believe right now, and I will continue to believe. This lady is hardcore. This lady is locked in, and she's going to state one of the most powerfully clear statements in all of Scripture about who Jesus is. It's very similar to Peter's confession of Jesus being the Messiah. It's almost identical. So you have Peter, the head of the group. You have A woman over here who's doing the exact same thing, almost even more intense. Watch this. I believe that you are the Messiah. I don't care what everyone else is trying to figure out. I know who you are. And I'm locked in on who you are. And I'm immovable from who you are. You are the Messiah. You are the Son of God. You are closely connected to the Father. I know that. I watch you. You're not a normal guy. It's not like you're just another one of us. I worship you and I don't worship regular men. Therefore, I know who you are. You are the son of God and you are the one who we've all been waiting for, who is coming into the world. Man, that's intense, yeah? She's so sure. Side note, wouldn't you imagine... In how you picture the niceness of jesus that he would have done a miracle that when he walks in the area He makes everyone feel better I mean Because we pray a lot of prayers to feel better And yet what's interesting is he's about to raise lazarus from the dead, but do you understand how much suffering has occurred so far? These people are really sad They were super stressed about lazarus getting sick And he got sicker and sicker and sicker and then he thought we got to do a last chance effort Let's mail a message to jesus And he died Their sorrow is high and yet jesus lets them walk through their grief Isn't that weird? Because here's what he's ultimately saying. He sees you crying in the closet And you're a complete mess And you go jesus make me feel better And instead, he opens the door and climbs into your closet and starts crying right next to you. You're like, don't come in here. You're messing it up. You're supposed to fix it. I don't want you crying. You extra crying doesn't help me. But he knows better. Because there's something in there that is more soothing and more healing than just fixing it. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. When she had said this she went and called her sister mary who was back at the home saying in private to probably avoid the crowds The teacher's here and he's calling for you When mary heard it, she rose quickly and went to him Now jesus had not yet come into the village But for security or privacy reasons was still in the place where martha met him So when the jews who were with her in the house consoling mary saw her rise quickly and go out They followed her supposing she was going to go to the tomb to weep there Now, these are friends, family, and official mourners. They are following her like glue, right? They're just stuck to her. Wherever she goes, they go. Now, this crowd is very good at mourning. That is something that the Middle East does really awesome, especially compared to Americans. They even have professional mourners. They have people that will scream and yell for a price. That the idea is that, oh, we're super sad and I brought some extra sad people with me and they're going to make everything sadder. So there's, the word that we're about to look into when they're weeping is they are yelling and they're wailing really, really loud. So that's kind of the crew that's kind of following with Mary. But notice what happens when they get around Jesus, verse 32. Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was, she saw him. And she fell at his feet you understand every time mary is mentioned in scripture. She's at the feet of jesus every time Imagine that being your moniker that you just live at the feet of jesus. That's pretty awesome I mean, you know, what i'm saying that's what we want to be It's just like this this mary Now when mary came to where jesus was she fell at his feet saying to him lord If you had been here, my brother would not have died That's the same phrase her sister used clearly. They talked about it when jesus saw her Loud weeping lamenting noisiness And when the jews who had come with her were also loudly weeping and lamenting and wailing He was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. This is where things get weird Jesus was greatly moved in spirit And uh deeply moved in the spirit and greatly troubled. Those are weird words The word deeply moved in his spirit means horse snort Pretty rare word. I mean, how many times you get to use that word, right? Horse snort. And what it means is is an inarticulate sound that you make usually out of anger. And in most language, even used in scripture, it was the same word used that when. Remember when? uh, And it was Mary broke the expensive jar of perfume. And all the disciples lit her up. Do you remember that? And they were like, "Can't believe you did that." They horse snorted. "Man, that kind of thing. When Jesus sees all the weeping and wailing and everything else and the whole situation, he horse snorts. And it says that he was deeply agitated, which is like a storm on a sea. So what's going on with Jesus? Why is he? Now, let's say he is angry. Let's say that like everybody else and how it's used normally that he's angry. What is he angry about? This is a funeral. What are you angry about? You're about to raise Lazarus from the dead. What are you angry about? Is it possible that he's angry at the ravages of sin? That they're killing his friends? Is he angry because, man, this nation does not receive me. And if they do not receive me, we're going to have a whole bunch more of this. Is he angry because even mary and the crew don't recognize he is the solution to all these problems Why is he angry? I have no idea. Let's say he's not The other two times that it's used in the gospels of jesus specifically. It means he gets really intense Not angry intense It's used at the time when he warns the guys that he heals. Hey I don't want you to tell anyone that I did this. I need you to keep it quiet. That sternness is this word He horse snorted on them too So what is he doing? He is doing something and we may not understand all of it But here's what I want you to know. Jesus is absolutely emotion filled He is so in this he is so tore up He is so like a storm at sea is that his emotions are all over the place It's not that he's chaotic. It's that he feels Too many of us think that he just floats through life and that he's God and he has no connection with us and things don't matter to him. And well, God can handle anything. It's not a big deal. I need you to understand that God feels. I need you to understand that Jesus enters into our situation and he will cry with you in the closet. And you go, oh, you're just faking it. And he's like, no, I'm not. I'm here with you. I feel it right now because I'm crawling into your world. And I feel what you feel And and Jesus said Where have you laid him Where'd you guys put the body And they said Lord come and see And then the shortest verse in the bible is what Jesus wept What's he crying about I mean I guess it all depends on why he horse snorted right Why is he crying I don't know I don't know but he's crying now, the Jews thought it was because of compassion. It said the Jews kept saying, see how he loved him. It's a different word for weeping than the loud, yelling, crying, lamenting. It's actually a whole different word in Greek, and it means quiet, silent weeping. He is tore up in his spirit. A man of many sorrows, the Bible says. Feeling deeply within. He begins to cry, and it's not for show. It's not for anything else. It is flat out I am crushed in my spirit right now. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus deeply moved again or snorted again, came to the tomb. It was a natural cave and a stone like a door lay against it. Pretty heavy. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man said to him being practical, Lord, by this time there will be an odor for he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of god What's the meaning of four days There was a superstitious belief it is not true But there was a superstitious belief of the jews that probably everyone in that crowd believed And the superstitious belief was that when you die Your soul hangs around the body for three days Looking for a chance to resuscitate looking for a chance of oh, maybe i'll get back in there Maybe something will happen. Maybe something will kick open Maybe somebody's going to help me out and i'll be able to get back in there The writing the ancient writing says that but once it sees your face grow pale Once it sees decomposition set in It says I guess not and leaves and goes to be with the presence of god Now that's weird. Yeah Okay that's not true but that's what they all believe what happens if jesus raises them on day one or day two or day three what are they going to say well of course i mean the soul is hanging around all it did was resuscitate and boom he's right back in that was a healing he's done healing before but what happens if he does it on day four the soul's already gone there's no chance anymore now it has to be a what a resurrection Now he has to be both the king of the body and of all of heaven to reconnect the two So just understand the stage is now set for maximum glory. Why did he wait? To clear out all assumptions Now he can bring about the power of god and they're going to believe deeper than they've ever believed before So they took away the stone convinced that jesus meant business And Jesus lifted up his eyes in a natural Jewish posture of prayer. And he said, father, I thank you that you have already heard me. This is about a prayer in the past. He is not praying right now. Lord, will you raise up Lazarus? It's a done deal. He's already had that conversation. When did he have it? We have no idea. Probably when he got the letter, when the letter came in and said, your buddy is sick. He probably had a talk with his dad and dad said, he's already gone. My son. But you know what we're going to raise him back to life Awesome father. Thank you very much. And now he's just been on a mission He had to wait for the proper timing had to get everything locked and loaded. Now. He's ready to do it He's already done. He's not coming in asking for anything. He's merely thanking the father And he says I knew that you always hear me in general father, but I need to pause But god didn't always answer him We learned that from the garden of gethsemane You don't pray the same thing three times if you got an answer the first time, you understand what i'm saying But he's always heard But I said this verbal thanksgiving jesus said on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me And when he had said these things he cried out in a megas voice That's in greek in a loud super loud shouting yelling kind of like preaching voice for me and he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, this way out. The man who died came out. His hands and his feet were bound with linen strips, and his face was wrapped with a cloth, just like Jesus will be wrapped in. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Y'all know the ancient joke, and I mean ancient joke like we're going back a long way. The ancient joke about because of the authority of Jesus, it was very specific he said Lazarus, because if he would have just said come out, it would have emptied the graveyard, right? <laughs> everyone's like, What's that? Oh, and they all start coming out and he's like, No, not you, get back in there, get back in there. You know, they're shutting the doors and there's a lot of knocking and so you had to be very specific. Lazarus! Get out here. The other thing that I find that's interesting is that there's a traditional tomb. Uh, that people think is Lazarus's tomb. I, I'm not convinced on any holy sites whether or not they're the legit place. When you go over there, it, they're like, this is absolutely it. You're like, uh, why is there a Coca Cola sign on it? You know, that kind of thing. But if that is the traditional site and that's the real site, um, an artist, a famous artist in the 1800s, late 1800s, painted it, a French painter. And his picture of Lazarus rising from the dead is actually a picture of that tomb. And what's so weird about that tomb. Is that you go into the doorway and it goes down in almost a circular staircase of stone to a chamber then Lazarus would have been down another set of staircase down into a recess And the reason why I think that's fascinating is how was he wrapped? Right if it's mummy style, you have to do this (laughs) the whole time and you got to get up some serious staircases all the way around. And it says his bandage is still over his eyes. So he can't even see where he's going. So I don't know how long and they heard pots and pans breaking down there. And they're just like, are you coming, buddy? You know, any of that? Any time now, it's taken a while. It's probably much more like Scooby-Doo. Remember the mummy that was wrapped and, you'd go, oh, and you go and he could still walk. Remember that kind of thing? It's probably more like that. But somehow he got out. That's great. And he comes out and you can imagine everybody being so astounded. This is baptism. He once was dead and now he's alive. The idea of laying down someone in the water is in my sin. I died. I got lowered down into the grave, but that's not the end of me. But Jesus called me out, and when he called me out, I rose up out of that grave, and now I am alive forevermore, and death will never shut me down again, amen? That is baptism. Now, what's so fascinating is that there's a step beyond baptism that's referred to, in my opinion, right here. It says, now that he's awake and he's alive, you guys, help him take off his grave clothes and get him free. When you got saved, are you perfect now? Once you got saved, what, you got all your habits broken, everything's fine now? No, of course not. There's a bunch of old clothes you got to get off you. And you got to get redressed in something more beautiful. And who does God use to get you redressed? You're the family of God. He uses all of us around you to keep going, hey, you know, you've got a problem right there. You're like, hey, quit looking at me like that. you're like, dude, I'm just saying, Right? And he uses, there's an agitation in our marriages. There's an agitation that goes on in spiritual friendships. And he's getting off the old clothes and he's setting us free. Praise God for that. Let me close just by reading out the rest of it to show you how this went. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. Man, what a miracle evangelism stuff, yeah? But some of them that didn't believe went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests of the sadducees and the pharisees the religious leaders Gathered the council the sanhedrin and they said what are we going to do with this guy? This man performs many signs if we let him go on like this Everyone's going to believe in him and the romans will come and take away our place and our nation Meaning if they see all this tumult and revolution They're going to think that there's a big political problem and rome is going to come in and smash us We can't afford that But one of them, Caiaphas, who was a high priest that fateful year, said to them, you guys know nothing at all, nor do you even understand. It's better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. Is he right? Actually, he is. He did not say this on his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied unwittingly that Jesus would die for the nation of Israel, not only for the nation only, but also to gather the one family and body and children of God who are scattered abroad, both Jew and Gentile. So from that day on, the religious leaders made plans officially to put him to death. Jesus, therefore, no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there to the region near the wilderness to a town called Ephraim. There he stayed with his disciples. Now the Passover's of the jews was at hand and many went up from the country to jerusalem before the passover to purify themselves they were looking for jesus and saying to one another as they stood in the temple what do you think that he's not going to come to the feast at all now the chief priests and pharisees had given orders that if anyone knew where he was that he should let them know so they can arrest him i close it out in john 12 9 through 11 when the large crowd of the jews learned that jesus did show up they came not only on account of him but also to see lazarus whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. Because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. What's the point? He was healed, and everyone knew it, and it was leading them to Jesus, so they wanted to kill the testimony. Do you understand that every single one of us that have been healed, saved, rescued made new by jesus should be out there walking around being a problem for the enemy leading other people to jesus clearly a lot of that is happening in this church how do i know that because the enemy sure wants to kill us and take us out of the game the bible says that we resist him yeah the Bible says that we continue on in truth. We continue on with what we know. We continue on in humility, and we continue on trying to chase after Jesus. He's got to do the rest. So I want to close with this thought. What is it that you want resurrected? What is it that's impossible for you? What is it that you gave up on? What is it that you should have been praying for for a couple years now, but you don't have any more faith left? I want you to think of that right now, and I want you to stand up. If You got something right now in your life that you're going, man, I, God... All right, i'll acknowledge it again. I honestly don't have any faith lord, but we're going to talk about it The bible says that there was a paralyzed man and he was carried by four of his friends And when jesus saw their faith Not the guy on the mat, but his buddies He healed him I know you don't have any faith left But we do The rest of us around you have enough faith to carry you today. So we're going to pray on your behalf. Here's what I would like. If anyone that is comfortable or able to do that, I need the prayer team to come up. Everyone else that is sitting around, if you are comfortable, I want you to lay a hand on them. I want you to pray for them. We are going to intercede with all of our guts. That what they have right now hurting in their heart would be healed by jesus that would be restored would be resurrected Would be made back to life So if you see anyone standing I want you to make sure that you are praying for them and gathering around them and we will close out the service All right, anybody else need to move around anybody else standing if anyone else is standing Let's make sure we're putting a hand on them somewhere somehow. Yeah, this is the body of christ coming together How dare the enemy attack us and try to destroy us? Let's lock those down. There's a bunch in the back. Let's make sure everybody's all right. Okay. Let's pray. Heavenly father, we come to you as your children. We come to you as your family. And we ask that those that have stood God, they don't have any faith anymore. And I ask that you would renew and encourage their faith, that they would have confidence once again, that you can do the impossible, that Lord God, that they've been wrecked by what has happened. They've been so sad that they eventually had to shut off as a defense mechanism God, I pray that you would heal it. I pray that you would bring it back together. I pray that you would restore it. I pray that, Father, you would dig in and allow this to be brought back if it is according to your will. If it is something that needs to be brought alive, I pray that it's alive right now. Lord, I don't care if it's a diagnosis. Diagnosis is only from man's point of view, not from your point of view. And so I pray right now for absolute and total healing and completion. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would not only hover over this place, you would walk through this place and begin to touch each and every heart. God, for those that have broken relationships within their families, I pray that you would touch that, begin to move on that, even move outside of this building, Lord, to the other parties involved that God, you would bring friends around them, people that need to love on them, to care for them. Father, begin to restore our families, protect our marriages. We pray for Russ and Cindy. We pray for Ashley and Vicki. We pray for the whole family, that God, that you would use it for good, that which Satan meant for evil. We pray, Lord, as well, that you would take all that we are sad about, all that brings us sorrow to our heart, all that we have grown dead to and make it alive. That God, even for some of us, we feel like our own walk is dead. God, rejuvenate us uh, almost with one of those defibrillators. Lord, just clear, boom, bring us back to life and show us what it is to be truly alive in you. So God, we are asking all these things. And for those that do not have faith, Lord, would you hear our faith for them. The whole idea that we can say, yes, God, we know you can, we believe you can. If you shut the mouths of lions, if you allow the young Hebrew boys to walk through fire without smoke on their clothes, if you swallow Jonah with a fish, if you are able to walk on water, if you're able to calm the storms, if you're able to do all of that, then what we are looking at is not too difficult for you. And so right here, right now, Holy Spirit, come down in mighty fire and allow us to be healed and restored in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. We love you and we will see you soon.